This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Ramia. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI's on-air community, and everyone's invited. Welcome to Tuesday afternoon here on AMI. As we kick off the show, we uh, kick off a short week for me. We kick off the second day of work this week for Kelly. And I join you here in Toronto. He joins us from London, Ontario. How's it going over there, Kels? It is excellent. Had a great show with Danielle McLaughlin sitting in for you yesterday. And have to say, Fedora's off to our backup co-hosts, excited to see each one of them get phased in and, and join us on the show because for them it's it's totally different experience and they're getting the, their first kick at it. So That's Danielle, right. yes, she did great. Uh, behind me, Ramya, uh, just on my screen, a little different look, I will say. I've uh, got those similar pillars to what you have on the screen mm. there in the Toronto studio and the skyline is in the, of Toronto in behind there. So uh, I have a little bit of a different look today. So I love good day it. everybody. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm sporting the uh, fedora and uh, uh, just really a two-button shirt. Okay, well, I love hearing about your uh, backgrounds, by the way, because it's it can be changed. You know, when we're working from our home studios, which I will be yes. too sometime, um, we get to talk about the different backgrounds. And I still sit behind, as I'm at set in Toronto, I still sit behind my long, oblong, white table, surfboard-shaped. And behind me is the Toronto skyline, along with those physically lit up pillars, Purple and white for Kelly and Ramia. Let's get into what we're going to find out on our show today as we talk to our contributors and guests. Nutritionist Julia Karanchis is joining us for her bi-weekly segment, and we're talking about smoothies. Oh, we're such big fans of smoothies. Mm. And uh, specifically the balance of ingredients into our smoothies. Well, the CCB has a group, it's monthly, and it's for Android accessibility. Committee reporter from Medicine Hat, Tony Freimark, she'll be here a little later on to begin hour two to explain more. Young Wang is our freelance reporter. She's a writer. She brings up incredible, insightful conversations on the show. We're talking about the Lunar New Year, which is coming up later this week, also known as the Chinese New Year. And she's going to tell us all about the significance of this day. More things to talk about. Um, this is a little uh, scary, not on the bright side of things, but maybe it could be a two-day bail hearing will begin today at a court in Yorkton, Saskatchewan for two sisters who have spent nearly 30 years in prison for what they say are wrongful murder cases. Odelia and Narissa Cusance were convicted in 1994 of second-degree murder in the death of 70-year-old farmer Anthony Joseph Dolph near Campsack, Saskatchewan. The sisters have always maintained their innocence, and another person who was a youth at the time confessed to the killing. Their lawyers are seeking a conditional release for the First Nations sisters while their case is undergoing a federal conviction review. The Federal Justice Department started that review last year, saying there may be a reasonable basis to conclude there was a miscarriage of justice. Karen Rebo, the Canadian Press. Um, I just want to say that this is almost as old as I am, that these people have been in prison for what could be wrongful murder justice. So it's 
We, I think that the more I hear cases like this, the more I wonder about the root of our justice system and uh, all the different priorities and uh, even timelines or just how cases and decisions are dealt. And to think, you know, for 30 years, all you do is sit in prison. And how does anyone say sorry to you? How do you yeah. recognize that the persons have been wronged? And what you really wouldn't want to know, and, and I'm sure it's known as to when, uh, we don't know it here talking on the show about it, but when the person was found out, came forward, whatever you want to call it, to say, no, that was me. And was that ignored years ago or just recent as, as you know, people years go on and, you know, maybe it's just too much of the weight of it. But the reality is you can't make it up to the folks who are wrong and you can't hold everyone responsible. You hope that proper justice was at least attempted to be served. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe the leads, everything like that led to the result. Um, but, you know, again, if there's miscarriages, if there was improper procedure, somebody's got to got to answer to that. But at the end of the day, what can you do for the folks? Well, you say the words proper justice, right? And I wonder where we yeah. even get that from. Uh, could we even really say that in this country we serve proper justice and we have, you know, rules, uh, we have procedures, we have, uh, we tackle all kinds of angles to make sure that there is fair justice being served. However, are there things that we're really not addressing simply because of bias, bias that we carry in ourselves, mm -hmm. bias that our decision yep. makers carry in? And is there really and ever a way when to When you're tell? talking 30 years ago, yeah. Ramya, yeah. we're talking even more pot potential biases, viewpoints, uh, and what, when we say it, procedure. What was ignored? What wasn't followed? Or was it by the letter? Yeah, it, it is yeah. so much to uncover, but it's a an absolute slap in the face for me when I hear um, these things and I say, ah, you know, it had to be 30 years of this for us to say, oops, you know, and, and uh, who knows how long ago the, the youth had um, come and confessed mm -hmm. to the crime and then that has to be explored and delved into as well, but it's hard. It's very difficult. Oh, hard. Yeah. And again, like we say, we have to now stop and realize it's been found out and we have to celebrate the release of these folks. Mm -hmm. It's it's important. They're deserving of life. Life has changed in 30 years, though. So a lot oh more than just celebration going on. A lot of adjusting. Yeah. Um, take a break here for a couple minutes and come back with our conversation. Dr. Danielle Jeankind is our veterinarian. She joins us weekly on the show and we're starting a multi-week session on infectious disease and vaccines for pets. We'll be right back with that on Kelly and Romia. Don't miss a minute. Kelly and Romia will be right back. This is Kelly and Ramia on AMI. Thanks for joining us via AMI-TV or AMI-audio. We'd love to have you here on a Tuesday afternoon as we relax into taking notes, of course, because that's what we got to do when we have all this fantastic information coming up on the show for the next two hours. Kelly McDonald in London, Ontario, Ramia Amuthan in Toronto. And we're welcoming in now our veterinarian, Dr. Danielle Jeankind, who joins us weekly on the show. 
Whether they provide us with companionship and income, food, or serve a critical role in the ecosystems that support us, animals are vital to human health. Have fun with us as we learn about animal-related topics and about the amazing bond we share with our animal friends. On the screen, as we heard Danielle's voice in that intro ID, was the avatar that we're using for Danielle, which is today a black cat holding a purple phone to its ear. So this is kind of cute, Danielle. You're, uh, you're representing the cat community today. <laughs> and I'm a very good representative of the cat community. I'm definitely a cat person. <laughs> that is so fitting, as usual. Um, we're going to do a multi-week a series on infectious diseases in animals and this is going to be really really informative um just a pre check-in for people to go and find the podcast for these upcoming episodes but let's talk about what the definition of disease is to begin with well you know an animal's body is always trying to maintain what we call homeostasis you know which is a big word that really just means keeping everything in balance and running as efficiently as possible so disease is what happens when you know that balance is significantly disrupted so you know in, in the case of infectious disease like an, an animal's body is kind of like an ecosystem of microbes you know they're all kind of living in balance with each other and with the animal they live on but every microbe has the same goal which is to survive well to spread and to reproduce as much as possible and of course, these populations of microbes are controlled with this series of checks and balances. So sometimes it's competition with other microbes, sometimes it's cooperation strategies with the host animal, and of course, with the animal's immune system stepping in to kill off any sort of attempts at you know microbial overpopulation. So again, when something happens to disrupt that sort of complicated balancing act, um, we get an explosive growth in a population of these microbes, and that of course can lead to disease. So when we talk about microbes, which ones are involved in infectious diseases? Well, you know, bacteria, of course, are probably the best known example. Um, so of course, yeah. these are individual cells. Um, they can reproduce extremely quickly. Uh, to give you an idea of how fast bacteria can multiply, um, when they're grown in a lab under ideal conditions, it takes only two to three days for one bacterial cell to divide enough times to produce a large enough mass of bacteria to be visible to the naked eye. That's a wow. really fast reproduction mm -hmm. rate. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, so they can cause disease in a few different ways. You know, some of them will produce chemicals that are toxic to animal body cells. Um, and that can cause the body cells to stop working or can kill them. Um, they can also invade the tissues around them, stealing nutrients that animal cells need to survive and crowding them out. Um, examples of animal diseases caused by bacteria would be things like leptospirosis and Lyme disease. You know, those would be good examples. Um, of course, viruses are another well-known example of, the, of microbes that cause disease. So they're smaller than cells and they're really just little little more than just genetic material packaged up for delivery you know so if you kind of consider a bacteria like a house then a virus is kind of like the letter that comes in the mail <laughs> okay oh my gosh yeah so wow. they, they employ a different strategy for reproduction you know where one bacterial cell divides into two to reproduce a virus actually inserts its own genetic material into a healthy cell and it hijacks the cell's own machinery to make more copies of itself 
And of course, when all these new copies have been made, the cell dies, breaks open, and it releases a lot more viruses, each one capable of infecting another cell. So as you can imagine, you know, a lot of cells dying is not exactly keeping an animal's body healthy. No. So this is, you know, not a good idea. So diseases of animals caused by viruses would be like rabies or parvovirus um, and panleukopenia in cats. And of course, there are a few lesser known microbes like um, fungal infections, like blastomycosis and yeast, and a class of one-celled organisms that are not bacteria, they are called protozoans. Um, so those are things like Giardia and Coccidia, um, both infections that can cause diarrhea in susceptible pets. Danielle, this is kind of an important question in the, the lines of, um, along the lines of how serious it can get for the animals, right? Does infection always mean that disease will follow? No, and, and this is a concept that is kind of important to understand, you know? So infection right. is the presence of a potentially dangerous microbe. But just because it's present doesn't mean that it's going to shove this complicated balancing act of maintaining this um, homeostasis off the rails. And there are a lot of factors which will influence whether um, disease will result or not after an infection. So, of course, one factor is how healthy the animal is. You know, if its body is running optimally and it has all the nutrients it needs to raise its defensive army against an invading microbe, that will maximize its chances of fending off the disease. Um, animals with pre-existing health problems are already struggling to maintain that balance and they're at a bit of a mm -hmm. disadvantage. Another factor is whether the immune system is already geared up and ready to fight off that microbe. So to use our army analogy, you know, if we consider the microbes as invaders and the immune system as the body's army, if the invaders show up when the, when the army's sleeping, you know, they have a lot more time to kind of increase their numbers and do a lot more damage while the army is kind of waking up and getting going, right? So that makes it harder to beat back the invading hordes um, when the immune system finally joins the fight. So obviously, if the immune system has seen the infection before, it already knows how to fight it. And of course, a third factor is how powerful the invading army is. So if these microbes over like invade with overwhelming forces, if they have powerful weapons or they're very good at evading the animal's defenses, they have a better chance of overwhelming the defenders. And of course, we call dangerous microbes with powerful weapons virulent pathogens, and they cause more serious disease. So again, it's a complicated interplay between all of these factors, you know, that determines whether a pet will get sick with an infectious disease or not, and how severe the disease is. Wow. It's amazing when you start thinking of the timing that has to fall into place. And I know we can enlighten it to our, ourselves and our own human bodies and the strength or the, you know, a bad timing of an infection or getting coming in contact with with uh, with one of these so when we think about some of those things what can we do when we talk about these factors is there anything with which one of these factors maybe we could actually do something about to avoid oh for sure you know um we, we can certainly do something about keeping our pets healthy you know um we can always make sure that our pets are <clears throat> pardon me a healthy weight um, we can make sure they have a good quality diet, that they get enough exercise. Um, we can certainly make sure that they're emotionally healthy and not stressed, you know, and that can go a long way to helping them maintain their bodies in a state of health. Um, I think that enough, not enough attention is always paid to environmental enrichment for pets, you know. That's making sure that our pets have enough to do to avoid boredom and mental distress. 
Um, we can also avoid exposing them to unhealthy things like secondhand smoke, for example. You know, these kinds of strategies are, you know, pretty, um, pretty easy to implement. <clears throat> Pardon me again. Another thing we can do is um, avoid situations where our pets could become infected with a disease-causing organism. So, you know, we can certainly stop them from eating feces. We can um, not let them drink out of ponds, lakes, and rivers. Um, you know, and we can evaluate the risks and benefits of taking them to places where other pets gather en masse, like leash-free parks, for example. So, I mean, going to a leash-free park might be, you know, quite fine for a young dog in perfect health, but maybe not such a good dog for an or a choice for an elderly dog with underlying health problems. Um, and of course, we can also train our pets' immune systems to fight off disease with vaccinations. So going back to our army analogy, this means that, you know, with a vaccine, we're arming and teaching the troops how to fight off those invaders and making sure there are sentries posted to watch for signs of an enemy assault. That's kind of the theory behind what a vaccine does. I really appreciate your um, thoughts on, you know, leash-free parks and other kind of congregating areas for outdoor pets because it's true. Um, even if mm -hmm. you're thinking, like, does it have to be an all-or-nothing situation? Like, does this mean no yeah. parks, no camping, no leash-free uh, walks for my dog? You're saying, well, assess, right? Like, young dogs, older dogs, dogs with health conditions, that kind of thing. Well, and I think that's important, you know, because there are also benefits to, you know, being able to run off leash and socialize with other yes. dogs and all of this kind of stuff, right? So, you know, it's like the debate between indoor and outdoor cats, you know, there's there's people in both camps that have valid points, right? Mm -hmm. So I think, again, you know, when, you know, um, when you look at all of the factors and you evaluate, you know, what are the risks, what are the benefits? And if you're not sure about health risks or benefits or anything, for sure, you know, you can always talk to your veterinarian about those things too. They right. can help you make some good decisions. Definitely. And Danielle, we're going to get into a, a lot more about vaccines for the next session, but how do vaccines work? Well, you know, the idea behind them is that they expose a pet to a form of um, the microbe that cannot cause disease. So that provokes the immune system into thinking there's a threat to respond to. That way, when the actual disease-causing microbe shows up, you know, the body already has the army readied and gathered to fight it off. And of course, there are different types of vaccines. In its simplest form, you know, vaccines are microbes grown in a lab, killed and introduced into the body. And those are called inactivated vaccines. Uh, some rabies vaccines are a good example of this. But, you know, as medical and scientific knowledge became more advanced, newer ways of making vaccines for pets have emerged. So we now have modified live vaccines, which introduce live microbes that have been rendered unable to cause disease. Um, so, for example, intranasal kennel cough vaccine for dogs, you know, might be an example of this. Um, another approach is to actually shave the proteins on the surfaces of viruses and bacteria off and use those to elicit an immune response. Uh, those are called protein subunit vaccines. And going back to our army analogy, you know, those vaccines are a lot like capturing the enemy's flag, you know, and we're taking it back to the troops right. so they know what it looks like. And recombinant vaccines are a bit of a mix between the modified live and the protein subunit vaccine. So they're made by genetically modifying harmless viruses to display the surface proteins of nasty ones, and then they're injected into an animal. So a good analogy for that would be to think of them like friendly forces that were instructed to set up a mock battle to train the army. They look like enemy soldiers, they're dressed like them, they carry the enemy flag, but they aren't actually going to hurt anybody. 
So, you know, some of the newer rabies vaccines for cats, for example, are made this way. It's a lot it's of information. Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting because as you you talk about the different ones, Danielle, and some of the ones, of course, we're familiar with them. You say, oh, I haven't heard really of that in a while because of what advances the vaccines have made over the years, the changes and, and administration and what we learn about the best operation of them. Um, it's, it's really fascinating when we, we sometimes get thinking, well, really, are rabies still a thing? And well, well yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's what the vaccines <laughs> are able to do. Yeah, and you know, and, and everybody thinks a vaccine is a vaccine is a vaccine, and you know they're yeah. not they're not all the same. But it's it's outside of most people's want to know, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so sometimes using the army analogy is a little bit more interesting, yes. you know, to just sort of explain it, you know, so that it, it becomes like, oh, I get it, you know. God knows we know we watch enough army movies on TV to. <laughs> We should uh, get that's it. how they told me about all these things, uh, ours and animals, when I was a kid. Let's talk about the white blood cells as an army. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Danielle, thanks so much. Uh, we covered a lot today, and we're going to continue as we get in more into the infectious uh, diseases category uh, in the next couple of weeks. Yes, that's great. Okay. Uh, next week, as I say, it's going to be week two on the subject. We're talking vaccine recommendations, possible side effects, and alternatives to vaccinations. Sounds a little familiar in our lives. We're going to take a break, though, and come back with more programming. Julia Caranches is here to talk about smoothies and how we can make it a very balanced combination here on Kelly and Romeo. Stick around and learn something new. Kelly and Ramya return with more in a moment. tuned into Kelly and Ramia on AMI and thanks for joining us here. You can also check out some great podcasts that AMI releases in video podcast as well as an AMI audio podcast. Again, talked about on the podcast Roundup with Jacob Shamansky and Nisreen Abdelmajid. On this week's edition of The Neutral Zone, for example, Brock and the crew speak with Mario Delisle, who's a recent, who was recently named the High Performance Director uh, of Bacha Canada. So check out that episode because they talk about the role differences from the national championships to the international competitions that he's conducting and going through. Every other Tuesday, um, sorry, that's not part of this one. I lied. But <laughs> The Neutral Zone is released on Tuesday, so check it out as a video podcast on YouTube or as an AMI audio podcast by searching for The Neutral Zone. I'm Ramia Amadhan here in Toronto. Kelly McDonald is joining me in London, Ontario. I'm thirsty. Are you? Yeah, well, I'm, Are you I'm always thirsty? Here. No. Okay. But because of anticipation... I'm thirsty, mm -hmm. but I do have my water handy. So when I start getting too parched and the voice starts crackling and all that, I know what to do. But I also know the best thing to do right now is get some good advice as we welcome in every other Tuesday. And today, that Tuesday, our nutritionist, Julia Caranches.
Julia Courageous. Join me on Kelly and Ramya as we dive into the wonderful world of nutrition and wellness with tips to stay healthy and live a vibrant lifestyle. You know, I don't know what the heck you're doing here today, Julia, because it's kind of like that person that sits in a theater in the front row and has a lemon and makes the actors' voices go all fun. You've got a really great topic that's already got me thirsty. Welcome back. I thanks. I, I do have a great topic. I think it's a great topic. Um, we're going to chat about smoothies today. I've been a smoothie drinker for decades. You know, you some people call them smoothies, blended meal, shakes, protein shakes, um, so many different names. But I get really agitated. It's almost one of those pet peeves when I hear about people who start drinking smoothies or they start these you know, these health kicks, these health journeys, and they, they want to incorporate a smoothie and they start drinking smoothies and they say, oh, I just am blending a bunch of different fruits with water. And then that's <laughs> that's the smoothie. And it, it just, I don't know, it just really irks my nutrition soul when I hear this. Not that fruit is bad. It's not. It's just that smoothies are such a great way, such a great opportunity to take in a lot of really essential quality nutrients in the body but you do have to be mindful of what you're putting in and when you just add fruit you're really missing a big opportunity there so that's why i wanted to highlight that today okay well expand upon that what is that missing link the most common one that is uh missing from a smoothie so i think the most common missing component of a smoothie that people omit completely is protein and I think this is omitted because when we hear protein in a smoothie, we automatically think protein shake and adding a protein powder. And I feel like protein powders are very misunderstood and they're oftentimes thought of to only be for somebody who's going to the gym and working out. Right. Um, yep. Or the, you know, the other, the other side of that could be, they might just be too costly, right? I mean, it's not always the most economical choice. And so either one of those, those um, ideas can really dissuade people from buying that. But if your reason for not buying a protein powder is the first of those two, then let me tell you, that's a big myth and that everyone needs protein. Okay. So remind us why we need the protein, because it, it Let's get into it so we can talk about what we can add for protein and what does it do for us? Protein it digests down into little amino acids. So protein, the food that we eat is our micronutrient. It goes in the body and we break it down into, sorry, it's our macronutrient. It goes in the body and we break it down into our micronutrient, into an amino acid. And amino acids are the building blocks of the body. So essentially, like every tissue is made up of these amino acids, and so is your muscle. And your muscle is very important to keep your skeletal structure strong, you know, joint pain, all of these sorts of things. It's also great for your energy level. So if people want to maintain a nice balanced energy level all day and not have energy crashes, protein is really essential for that. It's beneficial for the metabolism as well. So when you look at, at these benefits, it doesn't really rule out anybody that wouldn't benefit from taking protein. So it's it's a great option for everybody to, in, to increase their protein intake and to also make sure that they're getting enough in their day. Mm, yeah, and not necessarily using it or utilizing it as a meal replacement either right. because you still need all the building blocks of everything else, right? Right, right. 
right? I mean, it's yeah, not just for people that want to build muscle. It is great for that, but it's, you know, daily functioning, keeping, mm-hmm. yeah. keeping your, your body strong and, and energized throughout the day. Protein is great yeah. for that. You still take your vitamins, even though you're eating things that should hopefully contain enough vitamins to, right. to help yes. it all to support, oh, right? Man. Um, yes. Woof. I could besides, go off on that. Oh, okay, well, that's another, okay, we'll put that down. That's another segment. Besides a protein power, what else could we add to that smoothie uh, for protein? So there's a lot of options here if protein powders are not, you know, not exciting for you or just maybe not quite in your comfort zone. Greek yogurt is a great option. You know, half a cup, even up to a cup of Greek yogurt can offer a really great serving of protein. Cottage cheese. And if you're putting it into a smoothie, you know, if the texture of the cottage cheese is something that's off-putting to you, don't forget that you're now blending it with some other things so it won't have that uh, curdly, yeah. that curdly texture in the mouth if that's, you know, something that's kind of bugging you. Egg whites are a really great option to add. And if you buy them- Must the be carton, something wrong with me because I kind of like that little curdly kind of like chewable- I love it. Uh, it reminds, Yeah, it reminds me of tapioca without the sweet. <laughs> Yeah, I love it. Chopped up, chop up apple, maybe a sprinkle of cinnamon. I oh, think it's yes. a fantastic snack, but I, I do understand that it's not for everybody. I've had a lot of client feedback and they just, yeah. you know, they just wince when I suggest it. So I'm very aware that it's not for everybody. But my parents know, thought I was a very strange kid know. liking it. Hmm? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so those were all non-vegan options. If you are a vegan, there's also a ton of options here too. Hemp seeds, chia seeds, soy milk. If you drink soy milk, is a great option too. Uh, nut and seed butters can also contribute to the protein intake. And these things can all be combined. You don't need to add just one. You can add a variety of them right. to, you know, to your smoothie. So all things to consider and great options. Julia, on this note of nut butters, um, you know, I tend to add a lot of peanut butter into my smoothies and think like, great, my protein content. Um, But is that really useful, like to think of it as high protein? No, but (laughs) so no, I say no for two reasons. One, it's not a complete protein on its own. Mm-hmm. So a nut butter will have hearing. a lot of amino acids. Yeah. It won't give you all of those eight essential, which is what you get from an animal source. There's also a lot of fat content yes. from the those nut and seed butters. And I'm by no means is it bad. It's just a lot in comparison to the lower protein content. Yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, one to two tablespoons is a great place to start. And then mm-hmm. you can combine it with other foods, maybe not necessarily in the protein powder at that time, but like throughout the day when you have a snack, mm-hmm. you know, incorporating other vegan options would help to get those amino acids, but on its own, it wouldn't be complete. So like keep, you know, adding more and more and more peanut butter or almond butter to get a ton of protein. You'd want to be very mindful of all of the, the fat content the fat, that you were yeah. getting from that as well. Yeah, and it's interesting because, like, for so many years, I was like, okay, add uh, peanut butter in for protein. But that's uh, this was a recent um, learning of mine where it was like, well, actually, compared to the amount of fat you're getting, it's not that much protein. But okay, moving on because we right great great protein options. Otherwise, Um, what else should we be adding into our smoothies? Fiber. I think if you're, I mean, I know if you're using fiber, if you're using your smoothie as a meal. You need that fiber in there because we know that fiber is what keeps us satiated, right? It helps us 
to keep our tummies fuller longer, you know, in addition to the lovely benefits of proper colon health that it offers us. If you're adding a lot of fruit, you're obviously going to get a good fiber content with that. But there's also things that you can add, such as flaxseed and chia seed that will also contribute to that fiber intake. And those are really beneficial to add to smoothies. So again, it like, you know, maybe flaxseed you don't really love, but you could put it in your smoothie and that's a great way to get that flaxseed in. And flaxseed offers fiber, it offers some omega-3. So a great opportunity again, to get some super nutrients into, mm. in, you know, in, into your body. And so it'll okay. help you from feeling hungry an hour later. Right, right. right. Uh, what, what else do you want in there? Yeah, yeah. What um, yeah, what else okay, do you want so in there? You're, I'm going to say it, and I know people are going to be like, oh, that's disgusting, but it's not. So you can actually add vegetables to your smoothie yes. without really affecting the taste of it. Spinach is very non-offensive, and it it's a soft leaf, and it blends very nicely. If you have um, a blender- It hides. Home, like, it does. Yeah, it, it yeah. hides, yes. Yeah. Especially if you're adding fruits that have a lot of flavor, like a strawberry or banana. Yeah. I mean, you could really yeah, hide. Sure. Add your frozen spinach. spinach and frozen kale to that. I, I yes. do both. Yes, I do both as well. I do have two different blenders that I use at home, and one of them is better than the other. And the kale can be a challenge to break ah, down. Okay. So if you, you know, yeah, if you don't have a great blender at home, the kale might, you know, it might end up a little bit stringy in your smoothie. But if you have a, you know, a great blender at home that is super powerful. It's a great option to add. So oh, spinach see, with all the money she be... makes, she's got a great uh, one. I've got a great blender, and that was even before I made all the great money. It's but... like a jet <laughs> engine. It's like a jet it's engine swirling, you know? <laughs> the other thing, oh, my God, I know it's not my segment. I don't want to take over. But I really have found um, an easy way to sneak celery into my smoothies because I don't like eating raw celery. Yeah. High five. Yeah, I don't like eating raw celery celery either. Uh, we've talked about celery before on on and a how segment, good it is. And we've you know I've oh, chosen yeah, it as zero nutrition. Food. Yeah, sure. Put it in there. <laughs> it, it it can offer. It's also nice to get variety. Yeah. Uh, it's also could be economical when it's in season for for people. I have also added too much celery to my yeah, smoothie, 100%. and if that has not gone so well for me, of that like astringent taste mm -hmm. in the mouth is not quite my favorite, but you know, one one stock yes. can very easily go in a smoothie undetected. Um, yep. And it, it another turns one of those hide things turns yeah, you right into learn water to hide right it. in there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Well, and then put pepper in there with it. Okay, Julia. <laughs> since I'm giving you a hard time about the celery, what is your perfect recipe then? What should that smoothie have in it? An ideal one. And really quick. I'm going to give you two recipes. I'm going to do a vegan option and then a non-vegan option. And again, okay. there are so many varieties and so many quantities that you can play with, depending on if you're drinking this smoothie as a meal or a snack or just an extra way to get in a bunch, bunch of fruits and vegetables for your day. So um, for the non-vegans, I would suggest a scoop of protein powder. My choice is vanilla, but it's really a personal preference. You can also get them unflavored if you want to just have the flavor of the fruits in your in your smoothie. Um, so we've got one scoop of protein powder, a cup of strawberries, and they can definitely be frozen. We've talked about this before. Frozen fruits and vegetables are a great way to get in those fruits and vegetables for the day. We know they're flash frozen, so they retain a ton of their nutrients. Such a great choice. So a cup of strawberries, two tablespoons of ground flaxseed, half a cup of almond milk, and a handful of spinach. 
Uh, and then ice and water for texture, depending on how much of the smoothie you, you want to be drinking. So you can always add more water if you want to really bump up the volume of, of the smoothie or not add as much if you just want it to fit in like, you know, two cups of, oh, yeah. of, of water. Mm-hmm. And then I think a great vegan option, and of course there are tons of vegan protein powders, so that's like a whole other you know, place to explore. There's so many different right, vegan right. protein powders. So if we're um, if we're going to go we're non-vegan, tight, Julia, on a... time. Take okay, so we've got banana, hemp seeds, avocado, almond milk, and kale. Those Love it. Good top. show. Yeah. And of course, you made me thirsty. I have to get my water out now here. Thanks a lot. <laughs> I told you you'd do that. Thanks, Julia. Appreciate Thanks, it. Julia Karantz is joining us on the program. She's here every second week on the show, Opposite Wellness with Francis Wong. Whoa, boy, I'm thirsty. Let's go to break. I love it. I love the Mm. avocado especially. I totally forgot to bring that in. Taking a break and coming back with the social media influencer here on Kelly and Ramia. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv and AMI-audio. This is Kelly and Ramia on Accessible Media, Inc. Thanks for joining us, uh, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time on AMI. And you can join us via AMI-tv or AMI-audio. And, of course, you can listen to AMI-audio using your smart speakers. Just uh, command them to play us. And then, of course, we're also available on AMIAudio.ca. And then on TV, if you're a cable subscriber... We also have a lot of stuff going on soon, very shortly, on YouTube and other social media. And other ways you can just find snippets of Kelly and Ramia online. But we'll get into that shortly. I'm Ramia Amadin, and I join you from Toronto. Kelly McDonald joining us from London, Ontario. You betcha. And always love to speak about people's work learn things all the time when you do that, especially people and the way they kind of get their own messages out. Creativity, I mean, creativity is just the way to go. And always, you got the unique way of doing it. People are going to be interested and it's going to pull people in. Uh, Our next guest, to sit and talk a little bit about her social media platform and her unique way of bringing up awareness for persons with disabilities is uh, Kelsey Farrell joining us on the program. Kelsey, welcome to Kelly and Rumi. Appreciate you making some time for us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Well, we're going to have a great conversation and uh, always always find this stuff most fascinating. Look, look at the fact that you've amassed over 18,000 followers on TikTok. Can you give us a bit of an overview of what you talk about on there and like the post? Sure. Um, I don't I don't know how that happened. <laughs> I don't know how that ended up with over 18,000 followers. Um, but my platform is dedicated to raising awareness um, and talking about Mobius syndrome, which is the um, the rare condition that I was born with, and just educating people about not only Mobius syndrome, but other facial differences and other disabilities as well. Um, And I found it's just such an amazing way to connect with people and, and get the message out there. 
Um, I'm on other social media as well, but TikTok is definitely the platform that um, I'd say reaches the most people. And it's been really, it's been a really great experience just to be able to educate people. Mm Yeah, and uh, it's exactly what you're doing right now here on this platform as well. And I'm curious about the idea of not just where you wanted to um, share your ex- about your experiences and educate people on your condition, but how do you come up with the ideas on daily? You know, what you're going to post on TikTok, the approach that you're going to post it in, or other social media platforms as well. But how do you come up with those ideas and settle on this is how I want to educate people? That's a good question. I think that when I started out, I had no idea. You're right. <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. Um, but now, I talk about the things that I experience as someone with a facial difference and a disability. I talk about my personal experiences um, in a way that I think, I hope, other people can um, kind of, they can relate to. Um, and, and not only they can relate to, but maybe next time, they're in that situation, they will know better what to do. Like, I thought about when I'm out in public and I see someone staring at me or, like, people making comments, things like that. Um, I thought about my experience with that in hopes that other people, the next time they see someone who looks different or says different or whatever, they will be more aware and they will be more aware of how mm. their um actions can affect other people you're challenging yes. people's defaults i really really appreciate that um you know default reactions it, it's reactions is the perfect word right like we are literally reacting to people that we run into on the streets that we talk to that we um, have no exposure about or education about and so you're saying uh, i want to tackle that you know, and, and next time you see me on the streets, maybe you'll remember a video or remember a snippet of what I put out. And that's really, really fantastic. We have a clip, Kelsey, of some uh, that includes some audio as well, but we'll come back and talk about it. Here it is talking about three facts about you. Three fast facts about living with Mobius syndrome. I can't blink. My face is paralyzed, so I cannot feel this, I can't feel when I touch my face. I had to have surgery to be able to smile, and my smile still doesn't look exactly like others, but it's there. We're told that you do end off this video with a big, big smile, so um, uh-huh. I love it. I love it. Very direct. Yeah, I think I, I just, I, I like challenging people's perspective and challenging what people don't know uh, because you don't know what you don't know so um people don't know what mobius syndrome is or they've never seen someone with a facial difference so um being on this platform and 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 having that ability to reach masses of people Mm -hmm. um i hope that 
these messages resonate with people and that they will think about it. They will think about their actions and reactions the next time that they see not only me, because like this isn't about me, it's about anyone with any kind yeah. of difference um, that you might see out in life. Right. And Kelsey, not everybody, we were speaking about this on the program yesterday, is is cut out for being that ambassador, advocate, whatever way you want to present it. And somebody who's comfortable with a platform like this. And I'm curious, did, did somebody come up to you and say, hey, you should do this? So you thinking, hey, you know what, I want to get some word. I'm frustrated with reactions I get. And a lot of time people would rather learn by, oh, my goodness. I didn't know, and and have someone share like you like you like you did in in the clip we just played. So how did the idea actually come to? I'm going to start this. I'm going to do this for this reason. I mean, I to be honest, I've turned off getting TikTok for a long time. Um, I was like, you know, I'm too old for this. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to do it. <laughs> um, but I. It was actually one of my old friends who told me, you should get TikTok. You, I think you you have a story that not many other people have heard. Get TikTok, and you can reach a lot more people. And at first, it was daunting. Um, but, but it, and like, like I said, I, have, I really have no idea how I have reached 18,000 followers that it's really like it's <laughs> it doesn't seem real but but <laughs> I get comments I, I I get comments on all of my videos all the time people mm. saying I have no idea this existed I have no idea thank you for educating me I will take this to my kids to my office to my and like to everyone I know and and next time I see someone you know I'll check my reaction so it's really been it's been eye-opening for me mm -hmm. but I think it's also been eye-opening for others as well yeah um, yeah because it sounds like they appreciate the lessons you're teaching I hope so right. <laughs> I, I hope that um and I really hope that people do walk away from seeing these videos. Um, and I hope they walk away and say, this is something that I didn't know existed. Um, and, and next time they see someone who looks different or anything, they will just have more sense of what not to do, I guess. Um, right. And that's really what I hope people take away. Which reminds me of the the show you can't ask that on AMI TV, and um, you're we were in the uh, one of the episodes about facial difference for that as well. But it's so true, right? Like the what not to do when you see someone um, like me is so important. And here's yeah. the thing: like you talked about feedback that people have, and it's amazing, it's exciting that um, people in the disability community are so open and genuine and want to teach and take it upon ourselves to be like, okay, we will advocate. 
when we feel like it. <laughs> but the other question, the other comment is that it is hard. It's very difficult. You have bad days. I have bad days. And um, people comment about everything. So yep. when we're not going to ask you, like, what horrible comments have you gotten or triggering comments, but more that when you do have people who respond negatively or inappropriately or unproductively to your conversation, um, how do you re respond? Um, I think that uh, people, yeah, people will say anything, especially on TikTok. Um, and I think the best, the, sometimes the best response is no response. Um, if it's something that I know that someone has only said to be like, to start, Mm -hmm. <laughs> to start something, then it's probably not, you know, but if someone has a genuine question that maybe they didn't ask in the best way, um, I will still respond and I'll say, you know, this is whatever, and maybe don't ask things <laughs> in that <laughs> way. Um, right. I mean, because if people, if the thing is, my thing is, if, if people are truly, genuinely interested and they want to learn, I I love them. I love mm. them to learn. Yeah. I love yes, them. They them. Um, and I think, but, but sometimes people don't, and they just make mm. comments for the same comment. Um, and I try to not let that affect me um because you can't on tiktok mm -hmm. especially viral comments are so rampant that you just have to look past it and right it, it, like unfortunate it's unfortunate but that's what i've learned <laughs> so yeah, yeah i think just educating people who are genuinely genuinely interested in learning right Thank well it sounds like a good place to apply your time the people who want to know um we're very short on time but i really quickly just wanted to know not only how do we find you on, on online but when you get those moments and you're making up a decision to do a video hey, i want to do a post what motivates you is it something that has happened is it the how long does it take you kind of thinking it out what makes you say today's the day to put up another video um, so yeah, people can find me, you can find me on TikTok, um, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter. My handles are the same. Yeah, they're on the same. They are so I am at KFERR90. Um Twitter, Instagram, uh TikTok. Um and to answer your question, um it really depends. It's um, it's depending on the day. Um, many stuff can happen. My last TikTok was just an anecdote about something that happened to me while I was at the gas station mm, getting yeah, the coffee and yeah. water. Um, and there were these teenagers like staring at me and laughing and mm. Kelsey, I have to cut you off. We're just getting out of time, but we will reach out. We will we'll check you out. Thank you so much for the time. Uh, that was Kelsey Farrell talking to us about her social media platform for persons with disabilities.
our whole hour, second hour of Kelly and Ramia after this break, and we're starting off with a community report. We'll be right back. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts. 